Patrick Mahomes defeats the Madden curse. Guests come on to talk about UFC 247, and Drew and I draft our own NBA All-Star teams. All of this and more on another damn sports podcast. Twenty-one years. That's how. That's how long it's just been turning for my guy Andy Reid. Mm, it's just been turning and turning and turning. And what we do? What we do? We unleash a can of whoop ass on everybody. Twenty-four nothing. I ain't trying to hear it. Sound ten. I ain't trying to hear it. Fourth quarter, six and whatever left on the clock. Down 10. We got Patrick Mahomes and Andy Reid, baby. How about Sammy Watkins? Woo! How about Damian Williams? Woo! How about my dog, 5'5", and he ain't offside? Frank Clark! What's good? Fresh off of an amazing game between the Chiefs and 49ers, Mike and I are excited to talk about Super Bowl 54. It was incredible. I mean, the Chiefs, they uh, were down for most of the game. They they had to make another exciting comeback. They were down 20 to 10 with uh, it was just over six minutes left in the fourth quarter. And I even turned to you and I was like, man, like Andy Reid's going to – he's Super bowl this once again, you know. You like, said that. Yeah, at one point you're like, oh, Andy Reid – Win us again in the Super Bowl. I know. I'm such an idiot. I gave up on them when I really shouldn't have. But good for the Kansas City Chiefs. Mike, how do you think this game went? Well, I was. Uh, it went exactly the way I thought it was going to go for three and a half quarters. Yeah. I mean, it did. I, 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 was, I thought San Francisco's defense would give Kansas City's offense a lot more trouble than anybody thought because everybody was, you know, raving about Patrick Mahomes, as they should have. Um, but I thought, you know what? a That 49ers defensive line is like uh, – it, it's one of those defenses that's unlike any other kind of a thing. Um, and they're going to be able to drop a lot of guys back to cover because of that. And you saw that Patrick Mahomes had to rush out, out a bunch of times. He was getting hit in the first half. Uh, they didn't put up a ton of points. I mean, they only put up 10 points in the first half. And San Francisco was able to get a 10-point lead and was able to – I mean, they were actually – when they did run the ball, they were able to run it pretty well. I was just surprised they didn't run it as much as they did against Green Bay. They actually threw the ball with Jimmy Garoppolo more than they ran it. Right which no one would have predicted going into the game. Like, it's just it, at that point where the 49ers picked off Patrick Mahomes the second time and they had the entire defense in the end zone taking a picture. I was like, okay, this is, you know, this, I, I wanted it to be a little more exciting than this, but it looks like it's over. It was the fourth quarter. I mean, how could, how could you expect that the Chiefs would come back after that? And in the last seven minutes, the Kansas City Chiefs scored 21 points. Yeah, it's incredible, man. I don't know how the hell this Chiefs team is able to do this, even against elite defenses, but it was just crazy to see Pat Mahomes not have a good game, you know? Like, know. his stats were okay. They were 26 or 42, 286 yards, two touchdowns, but he threw two picks. Mm-hmm. And you don't see Pat Mahomes throw more than one pick in a game. Yeah, and, and both picks, even though some of them were, like, the, the one of them was tipped. He threw. He missed the spot. He threw behind uh, Tyreek Hill. It happened frequently. Yeah, mm-hmm. he he missed a lot of throws. He just looked off. But maybe that's just because the 49ers defense is just that good. Mm-hmm. Um, but I was surprised though that they gave Pat Mahomes the Super Bowl MVP. Damian Williams killed it. Yeah, he did. But I, at the same time, his one touchdown was at the very end of the game. That's true. And that uh, was a big chunk yard play too. Yeah, I, I mean they needed uh, Patrick Mahomes. Uh, you know he had. He, Three total touchdowns. He had two passing, but also rushing. And that's true. You know, he he just had a phenomenal. Even though he had a 
an average game by his standards, he had a phenomenal fourth quarter, and that's mm-hmm. kind of what, what tipped the scales in his favor for uh, MVP. But I, I, I do think that you got to give a lot of credit to Kansas City's offense for making some adjustments. Their offensive line played great mm-hmm. in those last few drives to put the points up. Um, they went to the hurry-up offense to kind of keep San Francisco on their toes. That seemed to help them a lot. But the Kansas City defense has to be given a high praise too because, I mean, San Francisco scored 10 points in the third, but they were left scoreless in the fourth quarter. They could not could not put this game away when they were given a few chances in the fourth to really close this thing out. Yeah, they applied a lot of pressure on Jimmy Garoppolo when they really needed to at the end. Like Jimmy Garoppolo had no time to throw when for most of the game, that was Pat Mahomes. He had no time to throw. Honestly, when this team is in like a hurry-up uh, situation, they really just are one of the best teams we've ever seen in that situation. Mm-hmm. These guys can score quick and they can score fast. And obviously in that scenario, when you're down 20 to 10 with only six minutes left, you need to score fast. And they did just that. Yeah, I mean, they're loaded with playmakers. And it's it was a, it, a great, exciting finish for the Super Bowl. I mean, compared to last year's Super Bowl, where it was very low scoring and kind of boring, mm-hmm. this was – a very high scoring game at the end yeah, and it was actually a lot of fun to see them come back. And uh, I was very saddened by the fact that I lost my pick and <laughs> I lost the picks contest to you this year. Uh, it came down to the final game. Uh, but I, I, I do think that San Francisco um, pretty much did everything they could to win the game, except just uh, couldn't hold on. Couldn't I mean, they didn't run the ball enough. And even I forget who it was on Kansas city. He said after the game, uh, who's that? He's like number thirty-two. What's the the player? Uh, the defensive guy. Is that Matthew? Tyron Matthew. Yeah, Tyron Matthew. He's, okay. he's, he's like, thank God they stopped running it. Yeah, because that's what was working. You know, it's it's it's. Uh, I'm sorry to do this to him, but it's just like when Atlanta played New England. <laughs> <laughs> it's the Kyle Shanahan. Effect, okay, well, you know what? Some people are saying, you know what? He played called it to the best of his ability. Like, there's not really much that should go on him. And I'm like, what are you talking about? Yeah. Like they clearly could have ran the ball. On like they had like a second and five, and Jimmy Garoppolo throws it, and it gets like a tipped, like incomplete pass. Now you stop the clock. It's like, what are you, what are you doing? I think they were so eager to just put the game away and put one more score on the board, and I think that's what killed them. But that's what happened in Atlanta. I know that's what I mean. Like, I just don't understand how you can make the same mistake. I, I wish that somebody. I mean, like, I'm glad Kansas City won because I wanted them to win, but. If, if someone should have gone up to Kyle Shanahan and just whispered in his ear, remember 28 to three, like, you yeah. know? <laughs> <laughs> that person probably would have been fired on the spot. <laughs> you know, it was just, uh, it, you just kind of, if you're a 49ers fan or you were somebody who was watching this, hoping for the 49ers to win, like, yes, Patrick Mahomes is a great, but you really had, you, you had this game in the bag. You had this game in the bag. Yeah. It was definitely disappointing if you're a San Francisco fan. Did you see the, <laughs> The hilarious pictures that have been shared around social media of five fans showing up at the San Francisco airport to greet the the team. <laughs> it's like, damn, you guys really just gave up on them. You didn't even go to like help them feel better and console them. <laughs> it was just five people. If you're a fan of The Simpsons, there's a uh, a funny scene where they welcome the football team back, and one of the guys gets off the plane and goes, "Wow, there's a big crowd to welcome us back, even though we lost." And then. Everybody in Springfield goes, yeah, you're a bunch of losers, and they start throwing garbage out. <laughs> so maybe it's a good thing only five fans showed up. Well, at least in that scenario, you know the fans care. In this scenario, it was like five fans, and everybody else was like, whatever. They're ashamed. We'll with their <laughs> yeah, maybe that's what it is. But uh, good for the Chiefs, bad for the 49ers, I guess. Do you think the 49ers will be back? I think – well, they're so young. Yeah. They're, they're very young. My thing that's, again, that's 
the thing that goes against them is usually when a team loses the Super Bowl, it's very hard to have to come back that following year. Um, but the other thing too is the NFC is so top heavy. Mm-hmm. I mean, you've got uh, Seattle and the Rams in your own division. Yep. I mean, the Rams are going to be back. They're getting better. better. They're yeah. getting better. They, they had their down year. They're going to be back. Uh, and then you've got Green Bay, Minnesota, Chicago potentially could be back to the way they were a couple years ago. Um, Say New Orleans. Uh, well, new. No, I'm, I'm going division by division. Oh, you're going division. By yeah. Okay, gotcha. Uh, the Saints. Depending on if Drew Brees ends up retiring or leaving or whatever, I, I don't see him leaving New Orleans. I think he's either going to retire or play again. Yeah. Um, the Panthers. I mean, who knows what they're going to do? They should be better than they are. Tampa could land one of these free agent Tampa. quarterbacks and be. You know, Tampa actually was competitive this year. Mm-hmm. Um, Atlanta too. I mean, they started picking it up towards the end of the season. Yeah, screw them. <laughs> uh, and then of course, you know, you've got. Uh, the Dallas Cowboys should be a lot better than they were this year. The Philadelphia Eagles, pending injuries, you know, would have been a lot better this year. The New York Giants. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, don't, I don't see them being a threat to San Francisco. Not, not, not next year. Maybe back in 1986 they were, but not yeah. <laughs> yeah, not now. Not now. Uh, so, I mean, that's the only concern I have for the 49ers. There's a lot of a lot of elements, and there's a lot of parity in the NFL. I mean, this is not like NBA basketball where you can expect the same teams to be back the following year if they it keep their hard. roster together. It's so much harder in the NFL. That's why it's kind of admirable the way that the Patriots have been able to be so competitive yeah. for 20 years. But I think the 49ers have built themselves to be uh, good for the next few years. Yeah, very. they're, they're going to be a successful team no matter what. It's just if the stars align for them in the playoffs, mm-hmm. for them to make it through. Um, what about the Chiefs? What, what do you think of the Chiefs? My concern with the Chiefs is um, – well, I think they've got a good chance to go back next year because the AFC is not as strong as the NFC. I do think it's going to be better than it was. I think Cleveland will be better. I think Pittsburgh will be better. I think that the Houston Texans and Titans will be tough again. Uh, if Tom Brady goes back to New England, they'll be tough. But even if Tom Brady doesn't, whoever the Patriots bring in, they'll still be the they'll still be a good team. Yeah, and they'll still be a formidable formidable team. Uh, the Bills are going to be you know still a great defense. You mm-hmm. know if you have to play them, they're going to beat you up. If you're a strong offensive team like the Chiefs are. The Jaguars I, are going to suck. I think that if the Chargers end up landing Tom Brady or the Raiders end up end up landing Tom Brady, they'll be a formidable threat. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that the Denver Broncos are gonna actually going to be a lot better. I think that the Denver Broncos are an underrated team because they were competitive in almost every game they played this season. I think Drew Locke is their future. I think he's going to be great. Yeah, I mean, he played really well the last five games that he played. I, I, I'm so, sorry, January Joe, but <laughs> – <laughs> There's but, definitely positives for most teams when you look at it. But the, the thing that's going to be hard for the Chiefs, too, is they've got a lot of weapons that are now that they've got their ring, now they're going to go chase their money. That's true. So they can't keep all those guys together. Exactly. And so yeah. that's going to be the problem. And But they have a lot of, like, really young guys, like guys that, like, are rookies that are that show promise, like Hardman and then the other Williams. Like, like they, they, they draft well. In Kansas City, they, they do. They, they, yeah. they find the perfect like speed guys. The guys that are perfect for Andy Reid's offense. But my other con- my concern tied to the thing about not being able to hold on to everybody is this going to be like the Green Bay Packers back in 2010, where they had a lot of weapons for Aaron Rodgers, but when they won the Super Bowl, Green Bay's front office was so confident in the supreme talent of Aaron Rodgers. It's like, well, we don't really need to put too many guys around him. He'll That's make a them good great. Comparison. I never thought about that. Yeah. So it's like you know, will they? Will Kansas City follow suit and do the same thing? I think the biggest because thing, Patrick Holmes is such a you know transcending yeah. talent. The biggest thing is that what the improvements that we see in the rest of the AFC because that's kind of what happened in the NFC is every other a lot of the other teams got better and the Packers kind of stayed the same or got worse. Yeah, I mean, you know, yeah, that's true. I mean, the the, the year that the Packers won the Super Bowl, they were a wild card team, and then the following season they went fifteen and one and ran into the greatest 
you know, franchise ever in the New York Giants and <laughs> lost, uh, you know, in a humiliating fashion, 37 to 20, go Giants. Anyway. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, I mean, the, the future is bright for both of these teams. I, obviously, we don't know if they're going to make the Super Bowl again, but they'll definitely still be contenders next year. It was an incredible season. Honestly, I'm very sad to see it end. Yeah, I'm I, always sad to see football season end. Yeah, I am too. I mean, I think we uh, it's time for a break from football for a little bit. But I, I feel like that feeling of like, oh, we need a break from football lasts only about two or three weeks because you have your Sunday where you're like, what am I going to do? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what am I going to do with myself? Yeah, you can only watch Survivor rerun so so often. Oh, that never gets old for me. <laughs> yeah. Speaking of which, anybody interested, Survivor Winners at War premieres next Wednesday at 8 o'clock. <laughs> Yeah, a quick little plug for Money Mike. Uh, Even though I have nothing to gain from that, it's just I'm a fan. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, that's it for the Super Bowl 54 talk. Congrats to the Kansas City Chiefs. And uh, can't wait to talk some offseason NFL news, and we will make sure to cover everything big that happens over the next few months on this podcast as they happen. Brian. Oh, that is unbelievable. Matumbo ran out at him. Three unbelievable shots in a row here by Kobe Bryant. A stirring finish to this 50th NBA All-Star game. All right, everybody. So the exciting time of year for the NBA, the NBA All-Star weekend, one of the most celebrated weekends in the entire NBA season, is coming up. And uh, tonight, as we are recording this uh, at 7 o'clock on TNT, uh, Giannis, uh, the Greek freak, Atika Tumbo, I don't know how to pronounce his last name, and LeBron James are the voted captains of the All-Star teams, and they will draft their own. The NBA started doing this a few years ago. Actually, I think last year was the first year they did it, or they did it two years ago. Um, I forget when it was, but it, it, they had like LeBron and stuff draft their teams, as opposed to just doing the traditional East versus West. And it actually was a lot more fun, and the guys seemed to be a lot more into the game, which was really great. Yeah, it's always ideal. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, and uh, so this year, what we're deciding to do uh, on this podcast is we're going to draft our own all-star teams, and you at home can decide who drafted the better all-star team. And uh, Drew won the coin toss before we started recording, so Drew, you have dibs on first pick. Well, uh, you kind of made it easy for me to uh, decide on my first pick. I was arguing between a few players, but once you pronounce Giannis Atentacumpo's name wrong, I was like, oh, gives me a chance to one-up Mike here. So <laughs> I'm taking Giannis Atentacumpo from the Milwaukee Bucks. All right, so Drew takes Giannis with his first pick. And I am going to reciprocate that pick by taking the player who's trying to be the GOAT but is not, LeBron James. <laughs> <laughs> so we're uh, taking the captains off the board. I guess that makes sense. Now I will say, LeBron James... Every time I've watched him this year, I feel like he he seems a little off this year. I don't know what it is. Like, he turns the ball over a lot. Mm -hmm. He tries to force passes. I think he's trying to be too much like a facilitator. What mm -hmm. do you think? Uh, well, that's kind of his, how he's always played. You know, he yeah. he always tries to pass first, get his teammates involved. He's it's always been the biggest criticism of LeBron. He's not as aggressive. Right. Um. All right. So this uh, this is interesting. There's a lot of choices with these starting lineups. I think for my second pick, I'm going to choose the defending champion Kawhi Leonard Okay. as my number two pick. Him and Giannis together sounds like a pretty nasty duo. All right, Kawhi Leonard from the Los Angeles Clippers goes to Drew's team. I am going to take the bearded monster <laughs> from Houston, James Harden. All right, fair enough. Him and his boring-ass playing style. 
<laughs> yeah, yeah, sure. <laughs> just yeah, you, you saw James Harden in person. I know. And all he does is just do a few between the leg dribbles at the three-point line and then fade away three every single time. It always works. <laughs> it so. does. I don't understand how it does. Um, my next pick is uh, going to be a trendy uh, new new age of the NBA pick. I'm taking Luka Doncic, averaging 28.8 points a game. The man is a baller. I love Luka Doncic. You know, because I was such a fan of Dirk in his during his playing days, uh, which sounds weird to say now that he's retired. We grew up with him playing. The, the Dallas Mavericks were my favorite Western Conference team. And because of Luka Doncic, they still are. I, I hope the Mavericks do really well in the uh, in the NBA postseason. Oh, yeah. Um, I'm going to go with another Los Angeles Laker. As a Celtics fan, I feel obligated to pick some Lakers and put them on my team. I'm going <laughs> to take uh, Anthony Davis. All right. So you're, you're getting the duo in I'm, LA. I'm keeping the Los Angeles duo together. All right, fair enough, fair enough. So my next pick is going to be, hmm, mm-hmm. Wow, this is when it gets a little tough. I feel like we just picked all of like the stars, mm-hmm. and now it gets a little tough. I think I'm going to go with. Well, we took the entire top row on the yeah. NBA.com. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Um, I think I'm going to go with your boy Kemba Walker. Okay. Yeah, he's uh, – I've watched a couple of his his games, and he's definitely brought his game to another level since joining Boston. All right. Yeah, no, I, I, Kemba Walker is so much better for the Celtics than Kyrie Irving because I feel like Kemba Walker is more of a team guy than Kyrie was. Uh, Kyrie is a great individual talent. There's no question about it. Mm-hmm. But I feel like Kemba Walker in the locker room, and he's just so thankful to be in a winning culture finally yeah. – that <laughs> he's, That's true. he's just he's just good for the team and uh the celtics just a quick note they didn't really make any moves at the trade deadline i take that as a confidence in their what they already have so i'm glad to see that i'm going to also take a guard i'm going to take trey young from the atlanta hawks right. uh you know he's a machine yeah he really is a machine. yeah he's a scoring machine it definitely helps that uh he, he is by far in a way the best player on that team so he gets a lot of touches but he he's Looks awesome every time I've watched him play. He, in the, when he is a free agent at some point, he's going to be a big get for somebody because I, I don't see why he would want to stay in Atlanta. No, yeah, absolutely not. I, like, he's definitely going to get a, a big payday. Yeah. Um. All right. Uh, I think my next pick is going to be another big man, and I'm going to go with the man that is always injured constantly but I think is viewed as the best center in the NBA when healthy, Joel Embiid. All right. Flop king of the <laughs> Philadelphia 76ers. Yes. <laughs> no, he's, he's a, he's a great player. It's like you said, I, I wish he would stay healthy. And even as a Celtics fan, I, I, I say that because I want to see all these guys healthy all year long. Cause I, that to me is when you really see the best team win yeah. and everybody stays healthy. So good, good pick. All right, so now it's my turn again. I already have a center. I've got LeBron as one of my forwards, so I think I have to go with another forward. And I'm looking at these this list of guys, and I think I'm going to have to – actually, you know what? Screw that. I'm going to go with another guard. I'm going to go with <laughs> Damian Lillard because he's still on the board. Damn it, I was going to pick him next. Because <laughs> he's nasty, man, especially that game that he had against the Lakers. I know. What, after like the Kobe celebration, it was like Damian Lillard – the ghost of Kobe like took him over. Yeah. And he just went off. It was great to watch. It was fantastic. Yeah. Um, all right. So since you kind of derailed my plans there, <laughs> I think the next person I'm going to go with is someone who a lot of people think should have started over Trey Young, 
in terms of the all-star starters, Mr. Jimmy Butler. All right. The man has been carrying one of the hottest teams in the NBA this year, the biggest surprise team in the NBA. And uh, I definitely am happy with that pick. And they made a lot of moves today and yesterday. I mean, they acquired Andre Iguodala. Uh, Damian, uh, not Damian, uh, Deion Waiters was mm-hmm. sent off to, uh, uh, forget where, Memphis. Memphis. Yeah. yeah, it was Memphis. So a lot of big moves by the Miami Heat. I think they're really pushing to go all in because they see that the East is not locked up by anyone in particular. Even mm-hmm. though the Bucks have been good this season. They were good last year and they didn't make it to the finals. So, right. Um, all right. So you've got Jimmy Butler. I'm going to have to go with Pascal Sikam. I can't pronounce anyone's name. <laughs> Siakam. Siakam. Did you even watch the finals last I, year, man? I, 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 of course I did, but I, <laughs> I, I'm, I'm bad with names. <laughs> uh, going with him on the Raptors. Uh, the, the NBA uh, most improved player the year last year, and he's definitely living up to the hype again this year, I feel yeah. like. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm not good with names. <laughs> <laughs> it's all right. If, if I didn't really hear Joel Embiid's name all the time, I would have probably pronounced him Joel Embiid. <laughs> oh, man. Mike calls himself an NBA fan. <laughs> um, all right. So my next pick, uh, I'm arguing between two different people right now. I think I have to go with – I'm going to go with Russell Westbrook. All right. Yep, Russell Westbrook. Always been a nasty player. He might be underperforming a little bit this year, but I think he's just trying to get used to being second fiddle again. Yeah, for sure. Uh, I'm going to go with my boy from Boston, Jason Tatum. (laughs) Oh, my God. That's such a homer pick. (laughs) Might be a little early, but you know what? Hey, man. It's okay with you. Um, All right. So I'm going to go with the person I was arguing with before. I'm going to take the Joker, Nikola Jokic. (laughs) There you go. (laughs) I love me some Nikola Jokic. He is the most awkward-looking NBA player, but he has some nasty footwork in the paint. Yeah. Yeah, and he's a true center. Yeah, no, absolutely. All right, so I'm going to go with my next pick. Uh... I'm going to go with. Oh, man, got a thing. Can't keep, t- can't leave too much dead air. I know. <laughs> I'm going to go with Chris Middleton. Okay. Yeah. I mean, one of the best three point shooters in the in the league. I definitely wasn't surprised to see him on this list. Who did you pick before Jason Statham? Jason Statham. Jason Tatum. Uh, Pascal Sakayam. Uh, Siakam. <laughs> gotcha. <laughs> Siakam. Sorry. Sorry to all the uh, Raptors fans out there. Yeah, including myself, kind of. I don't know. Sure. (laughs) Um, All right. So I believe that that leaves Mr. Donovan Mitchell. He is my next pick. Okay. Pulling Donovan Mitchell from the Utah Jazz. I saw him play live as well. He He was nasty, along with Mr. Joe Ingles, one of my favorite players in the league because he just looks like a 45 year old dad out there shooting threes. All right, so you picked Donovan Mitchell, and was who was before Donovan Mitchell? Was that Jokic? Yep, the Joker. All right, Paul Jokic. All right, so I think I need. Uh, I'm interested to see who the final pick is going to be. It's definitely between two people, uh, three people on this list. <laughs> yeah, I uh, see. So I've got a bunch of four. I've got four forwards at this point. I've got one center, so I feel like I have to go with a big guy. So I'm going to go with uh, Domantas Sobinas. 
Sabonis. Sabonis. See, I told you. See, I know these people. I just can't pronounce their names. Well, it's not like many people know who Sabonis is. Like, I was actually surprised to see that he made this, made the All-Star game. Um, Pat wasn't. I saw him tweet that like he's been saying this for years, that Sabonis is going to be an All-Star. Um, but, yeah, I mean, good for him. Yeah. Came out of nowhere. Uh, so my next pick is going to be uh, – no, screw it. I'll, I'll give myself a, another good big man. I'll go with Mr. Rudy Gobert, the reigning defensive player of the year. Two-time, actually. Two-time right. defensive player of the year. Need some good defense on my team because Joel Embiid is not the best defender. Going with some jazz. Oh, yeah, that's true. Two, sta- two straight uh, jazz picks. That's right. All right. I'm going to go with another guard for my next pick. So that gives me either the option of Kyle Lowry or Ben Simmons. And I just believe in way more in Kyle Lowry. All right. <laughs> Fair enough. I would honestly agree with that. Ben Simmons, I always felt, is a little overrated. Um, the man needs to develop a jump shot in this day and age. Yeah. Um, okay, so that leaves on the board. Who does that leave? So we still have on the board um, Ben Simmons. Okay. Uh, Chris Paul. Brandon Ingram. And Bam Adebayo. Hey, you said that one right. Look at that. Nice job. Nice job. Um all right, so you just took Kyle Lowry. So I'm going to take uh, what I, who I think is the best player left on the board, Chris Paul. Yeah. Um, I, honestly, I forgot Chris Paul was on the board. I probably would have taken him over Lowry. <laughs> have him and uh, LeBron together. <laughs> but that's all right. That's all right. Sometimes people make mistakes in drafts. So you, sometimes you take the right person. Sometimes you take the wrong person. Yeah. In the case of like a team like the Patriots, they waited 198 picks until they took the right guy. There you go. They did it on purpose. Yeah. <laughs> all intentional. I feel like there's so many guards, man. Yeah, and I don't like Ben Simmons, and I don't really like Brandon Ingram. So by that default, I'm going to take Bam. <laughs> Bam out of bio. Yeah. Him and Sabonis are definitely the two most surprising players on the All-Star uh, rosters, I think. Yeah. I guess Brandon Ingram, too, I guess. Who is going to be my next pick? I'm going to take Brandon Ingram. Okay. I just really don't think Ben Simmons really meshes well with many people. No. This is play style. So. Which I believe that just leaves me with him. Yes, it does. Oh, great. <laughs> Same though I didn't want him, I ended up with him anyway. Yep, did that on purpose. But you would have taken Bam if I didn't take him. Most likely, yeah. Yeah. So that la- so that means I have one, two, three, four, five guards on my team. For, for a roster of 12, that's pretty good. I've got one, two, three, four, Four true forwards, and then I've got two center forwards, and then I've got just one true center in Anthony Davis. Yeah. Um, honestly, just comparing our teams, the only person I'm really disappointed I didn't get was Damian Lillard. I love Damian Lillard. I probably would have taken him over Kemba mm-hmm. if I had realized that Lillard, for some reason, wasn't a starter, which I'm surprised, Yeah, to be honest. But um, other than that, I really like my team. Yeah, I like, <laughs> I like who I ended up with, too. I mean, if I didn't take LeBron, I was going to take Kawhi Leonard. Yeah. Um, and, uh, you know, obviously I would have loved to have Kemba on my team, but Trey Young's very good as well. Uh, and uh, I would have loved to – I would have loved to have Luka mm-hmm. on my team. But I, I didn't think that taking him, like, after I took LeBron as my first pick was really advantageous to me in the long run. Yeah. But, so, uh, so, yeah, to summarize for everybody at home, uh, Drew's team consists of the Greek freak, uh, Giannis Atikatumbo, <laughs> Kawhi Leonard, Luka Doncic. Kemba Walker, Joel Embiid, Jimmy Butler, Russell Westbrook, uh, the Joker, Nikola Jocic, 
<laughs> Donovan Mitchell, Rudy Gobert, or Yogurt, however you want to pronounce it. Gogurt. Gogurt. <laughs> Chris Paul. That's a pretty easy one to pronounce. <laughs> yeah. And then Brandon Ingram. And then my team is LeBron James, James Harden, Anthony Davis, Trey Young, Damian Lillard, Pascal Sakayam. Siakam. Siakam. Damn. <laughs> Jason Tatum. Chris, I'm not doing this on purpose, folks. Chris Middleton. Oh, boy. Here we go. DeMontis Sabonis. There we go. Nice yeah. job. Kyle Lowry. Bam. Adebayo. And Ben Simmons. <laughs> <laughs> That's really the only disappointment I have in my team yeah. is that Ben Simmons is with me. <laughs> As you guys can tell, we love Ben Simmons. But you know what? He's going he, to ride the bench on my team. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. But uh, I'll uh, make sure to post these uh, teams, these drafted teams uh, on social media to see what you guys think, who you guys think has the better team. Yeah, I, I feel like I'm going to win a lot of the LeBron fans just because he's on my team. Yeah, that, that's usually the case. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, so hopefully it's a nice, exciting NBA All-Star game. Uh, over the years, it's kind of dwindled as being an interesting game. Yeah, it used to be so much fun when we were kids. I know. Like, I pulled up the roster from the 2005 NBA All-Star game. and listened The, the to one in Denver? Uh, it doesn't say where it was. Okay. Um, but either way, well, 2004, 2005, we have the West roster, Ray Allen, Kobe Bryant, Tim Duncan, Kevin Garnett, Manu Ginobili, Richard Lewis, Sean Marion, Trace McGrady, Yao Ming, Steve Nash, Dirk Nowitzki, and Amari Stoudemire. Like yeah. that's just the West. So that That's a nasty group. And then for the East, the East is definitely weaker. <laughs> we have Gilbert Arenas. Vince Carter, my boy, Grant Hill, Zdrunas Ogowskis. That's definitely the most surprising one. <laughs> um, Allen Iverson, LeBron James, Anton Jameson, Jermaine O'Neal, Shaq, Paul Pierce, Dwayne Wade, and Ben Wallace. So, like, I don't know, just those names are so much more interesting than DeMontis Sabonis, Jason Tatum, like Bam Adebayo, Ben Simmons. Like, I don't know. Yeah, Pascal just... Sakayam. <laughs> <laughs> yes. I, I don't know, man. The NBA has changed. Maybe that's just us being old men. Yeah, I don't know. No, ask anybody. Those players are better than these players. <laughs> okay, that's just how it is. I remember when I first started getting into the NBA, one of my first video games was NBA Live 2005. And something that was really fun was to do the All-Star game because it had just this really cool intro at the beginning. You know, it, it was just awesome. It was like they introduced every player. And uh, I always would play with the – I actually always played with the West because, mm. like you said, they were the stronger team. Yeah, well, there's a way stronger team. The West, it's always – it's been the case for a long time that the West has always been a stronger um, – I think I think I played with the West because they had Dirk, and Kevin would play with the East because they had Shaq. That makes sense. There you go. <laughs> but, uh, yep, so those are our teams, and hope you guys enjoyed the NBA All-Star game. I just wanted to give a quick shout out to a project that is very near and dear to the hearts of two of my closest friends, Boho Homo. Their mission is to attempt to understand the human experience and inject an uplifting and positive message into this crazy world that we live in. And you can visit their website to learn more about this incredible community organization at bohohobolifestyle.com. Explore endlessly. Moving on to the magnificent Syracuse Orange, who have not been magnificent over their last couple games, as they are just coming off a very disappointing loss to Duke, where they were holding the lead for they hold, held the lead for the entire first half, right, and then basically at the beginning of the second. That's no, they 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 lost the lead by the end of the first half. Okay, gotcha. But either way, they started off strong against Duke. They actually built up a decent lead at one point, but 
man, the the big man for Duke. I forgot what his name was. I think it's Kerry or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. He once they just decided to just feed the ball into him down low, nobody could cover him. Gary A couldn't cover him. Sadive couldn't cover him. And once Duke figured out that that was Syracuse's big, Syracuse's biggest weakness. It was all over. Well, the biggest criticism I've had of Syracuse over the last few years, and I think you'd share the same thing, is that their games were incredibly boring because they were a really good defensive team, but they just were a terrible offense. They could not score the basketball. Mm-hmm. And in this game, they really didn't have any trouble scoring the basketball. They just couldn't play a lick of defense. Nope. It was it was terrible to watch. I mean, when you're a Syracuse fan, you're used to a strong defensive team, and they just were not – they were the opposite of that against Duke. And you know they let the Clemson game slip away. They were winning that game, and it just stinks that they were that they lost that right at the end. They that was off of a uh, you know five game win streak that they lost that game. So it looks like they were turning things around, but now they're thirteen and nine. They're fifth in the ACC. The ACC is not strong this year by any means, um, other than the top three teams. I mean, you've got Louisville at twenty and three, Duke at nineteen and three, Florida State at nineteen and three, but then. Virginia is fifteen and six. Syracuse is thirteen and nine. NC State fifteen and eight. Like that's not, not an impressive. Usually the ACC is a lot, you know, more like the SEC of football. Yeah, and yeah. they're just not this year. I mean, North Carolina for crying out loud is ten and twelve. I know. Like it's incredible to see a, a staple of good basketball just be at the bottom of a not so good ACC. And honestly, the biggest disappointment during this Duke game to me was Elijah Hughes. I, I just don't. When he's cold, sometimes he's just got to give up the ball. But he he loves to force up these crazy shots because he knows it's his team. Mm-hmm. You know, he went six for 19 uh, from the floor. But the biggest issue that I had is he went one for nine from three, 11.1%. Yeah. If you're going to be the guy for this team, you got to make sure that you can put up better numbers than that against a team like Duke that is not the best Duke you, that you will see. Like, this was the probably the – Easiest team that Syracuse could have beaten um, compared to all the other Duke teams that they faced in the past. Yeah. Um, and that, But the one positive I got out of this game was um, Merrick Doldegi. He's been playing a lot better lately. Um, obviously, he started out the season, and he played very timid. You know, he wasn't really looking for his shots. He's so much more aggressive now than I he know. used to be. It's great to see. Yeah, he's, uh, he's really he's doing work on the boards. He's making effort plays. Merrick Dolezal, as long as he keeps playing like he is, like Syracuse will still be a contender in most games. Like yeah. he had 22 points in this game. Yeah. That's definitely not normal for someone like him. I was incredibly disappointed by both Buddy Beheim and Gerard when it came to um, – they had their opportunity to go to the free throw line at like some key moments where like Syracuse could have started a comeback and they like missed the first free throw and threw them off rhythm. And it's like these are guys that like – are automatic mm-hmm. at the free throw line. Yeah, we saw Gerard miss a miss a free throw, and the man never does. He's ninety five percent from the line this year. Yeah. Um. So yeah, unfortunate loss. Like you said, they, they still have a chance because the ACC is not a good uh, conference. Yeah, I mean, I feel like if Syracuse can, like, if I'm looking at their schedule here, if they're able to beat Wake Forest as they should, NC State, um, Georgia Tech, Pitt, UNC. Uh, Boston College and Miami, if they can win all those games, which they probably won't, but let's say they do, right? Mm-hmm. And they win one of the two games against either Florida State or Louisville. Yeah. And then win two or three games in the ACC tournament, I think they make it in. Yeah, I think so too. If they lose to both Florida State and Louisville and split these games that they have left. Yeah, it's going to be tough. They're, they're going to be a bubble team for sure. Might as well punch our tickets for the NIT at that point. Yeah, exactly. So. 
it's definitely a weird Syracuse team. Offensively, they're so much better, but defensively, they're just non-existent, I feel like. Yeah, I mean, I'm glad that we have some more hope than we thought when the season started. Um, but, yeah, it's it's crazy to me that Syracuse went from this team that like really struggled to score the basketball even in the first game of this year and this last few games, 88 points, 70 points, uh, 69, 84, 71, 76, 63. Like, they're putting points up on the board. They just need to get back to – why can't they be the defensive team they were a year ago and be the scoring team they are now? Yeah. No. They'd be dominant. <laughs> oh, absolutely. And that goes back to our conversation we've had before about how they need dominant big men. Mm-hmm. And that's just something they don't have. So we'll see how Syracuse does for the rest of the season. We always like to update uh, the Orange Faithful about their team, even though I know everybody's watching anyway. But yeah. uh, we know that of the people that do listen to this crappy show, most of them are Syracuse fans or at least follow Syracuse basketball. So Here's your Syracuse basketball update for you. All right, everybody. So there are some uh, off-season moves being made before spring training in Major League Baseball uh, that apply to me specifically to my team, the Boston Red Sox. They have agreed to trade Mookie Betts and David Price to the Los Angeles Dodgers in a three-team deal. Uh, this has been a long time coming because ever since the uh, probably partway through last season, Mookie Betts told the Red Sox that, when his uh, contract was up, he was going to test free agency. Uh, so that was kind of put into place where if you guys don't give me a major deal, uh, I'm going to go get a major deal somewhere else. And the Red Sox, you know, were trying to get him to, to stay. But at the end of the day, they really wanted to get under what baseball has in their contract structures is the luxury tax, where if you have too many major contracts, um, you eventually get charged back. And the teams that are the lesser payroll teams get some of that money back. Um, as I understand it, that, and that's the way that it works. Um, so the Red Sox did not want to risk losing Mookie Betts for nothing. I know a lot of Red Sox fans out there are really outraged by the fact that the Red Sox traded probably the second best player in baseball, arguably, you know, a guy who's won league MVP. He was a World Series champion with us. But here's the thing. If he was really going to be serious in test-free agency, like if they made an offer to him now, he's not going to like an offer they make down the road. Yeah. You know, so – they made a move to get rid of him and they packaged him in with David Price, who I felt like they overpaid for anyway. And they're still going to have to pay a lot of that deal to the Dodgers, but at least they got underneath both of those guys um, as and got underneath those contracts, got them out of, out of their payroll. They're going to be saving a lot of money. They're going to be saving 50 million in so their payroll. Sounds like you, you like this decision then. Uh, I, I'm sad that we lost such a great player in Mookie Betts because he really could do everything. He was a great fielder. He was a golden glove player. He was, he could steal bases. He could hit home runs. He could hit, he could hit base hits. He, he was a great baseball player and he's going to be a great baseball player. I think that Los Angeles Dodgers should be the clear cut favorite now to win the national league because they were the best team in the national league in the regular season last year. They went to the world series the two years before that. I feel like the Dodgers made this move because they're desperate to, win the world series i mean they better man you've gotten so many chances yeah they're, they're sick of losing in october yeah so and i mean because they should have beat the nationals they lost in the final game when they had a lead yeah in the final game of that series so I, I feel like the dodgers are the unquestionable favorites in the national league and maybe in the entire league itself mm-hmm. uh with this move and i think the red sox are a lot of people are saying that the red sox are putting a white flag for this year saying that you know they're gonna rebuild which is very frustrating as a fan of the red sox but i also have to say this the last two times that the Red Sox uh, hired a brand-new manager, they won the World Series that season in 2013 and in 2018. Interesting. Uh, 
I don't think that's going to happen this year. <laughs> <laughs> I think the Red Sox still have a lot of talent, but I do think that they're the third best team in their division. I think the Yankees are the best team in the AL East. The and, Orioles. Uh, the Orioles suck. <laughs> and, I think, and I think Tampa Bay is the second best team in, in the American League East. So I feel like the Red Sox were also aware of that. So they were like, you know, let's, let's get something back for Mookie and let's, you know, get rid of Price, get rid of his contract. So, um, any, whenever it comes to a trade like this where you're on the end where you did not get the best player, time will tell if you made the right decision. I mean, Washington National fans were really upset when the Nationals let Bryce Harper walk for nothing and they lost him. Then they won the title. And, and then they won the World Series. So you know, time always <laughs> tells with decisions like this. You know, when you don't pay a max contract to a guy, and these baseball contracts are ridiculous, like 10-year, mm-hmm. 12-year deals. It's unbelievable. So now they have the luxury to be a little bit more flexible to add multiple guys and hopefully rebuild and uh, get back to postseason baseball in October. All right. Well, it sounds like you're incredibly positive. Yeah, I have to be. I'm in a position where my team lost uh, a great player. So Yeah, that's true. And you guys are fresh off of a World Series win a couple of years ago. So you're fine. You'll, you'll be fine for another year of bad baseball. Drew, you know from being a sports fan, it's never enough. Okay. No, I, I don't mean, know because none of my teams have ever won a championship. Look, so well, fuck the, you, well, Mike. Well, the, well, the Red Sox have only won in 2004, 2007, 2013, and 2018. I need more. Uh, <laughs> and your Giants have only won twice in your lifetime. You know? And the Celtics well, three are, times, right? So, it was three times? Or they made the Super Bowl three times? They've made it three times in okay. my lifetime. Right. Uh, <laughs> they won four Super Bowls. And then altogether. the Celtics won the title in 08. Like, screw you, Mike. It should have won in 2010. It wasn't for the great late Kobe Bryant, uh, which still sounds weird to say. Yeah, uh, that's true. And uh, Syracuse won in 2003. Mm-hmm. At least we have that. In, you know, Syracuse won in 2003. You, yeah, you, was, were, you were aware. <laughs> I was seven years old at that time. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, that was our baseball talk for you guys. I know you guys love to hear Money Mike talk about his Boston Red Sox. Go Sox. In the market for a new car, truck, or SUV? Well, come on down to Capilino Buick GMC on Transit Road in Williamsville, New York, and ask for me, Mike Gilchrist, and I will help you find your new ride today. We've got a great selection in our new and used inventory, and Capilino's has been awarded the Buick Dealer of the Year the last four years running. We'd love to show you why. Come on in, ask for me, and we can work it out. The fight clock is brought to you by Modelo. two guests to talk UFC 247 Jones versus Reyes uh, John Jones making another return to the octagon to take on a uh, wide-eyed competitor in Dominic Reyes who is 12-0 um, John Jones has only one loss on his record against uh, Matt Hamill which was a disqualification like he was destroying Hamill so he should be undefeated uh, first we got a uh, Steve Spencer Steve how's it going man good to have you back on the show I'm doing well how are you Pretty good. And then we also are bringing on a new guest, Mr. Nettie Taylor. He's a friend of Steve Spencer and a huge UFC fan. Nettie, how's it going? I'm doing great. That's good, man. Nettie, we'll start with you. Uh, when did you become a fan of the UFC? 
Um, well, actually, uh, back when the Ultimate Fighter was first getting started, um, there was a gentleman who won season two by the name of Rashad Evans. Uh, my father actually taught him in college, uh, junior college at NCCC, and he got wind that Rashad was going to be on the show. So he used to watch it, and I would stay up and watch it with him after I was done watching Monday Night Raw, and I got hooked from the fake stuff to the real stuff. That That's incredible, man. I did not know that. Yeah, Rashad was a legend, obviously former light heavyweight champion. Where, where's the – he couldn't throw you a couple thousand to help you out? What is this? Listen, I wish I could. We went to school with his nephew. I, I made every attempt possible, but I think my dad gave him an A instead of an A plus, so not enough. Oh man, your dad screwed you over. Well, huh? <laughs> <laughs> uh, but no, that, that's really cool. And uh, so, give me, give me your thoughts on the main event here first: Jones versus Reyes. What do you know about Dominic Reyes to let other people know? Um, well, the thing with Dominic Ray is, I mean, he's a great striker, obviously hits extremely hard. Um, he doesn't have a lot of quality wins yet, in my opinion, um, but he does offer a lot of confidence. And honestly, confidence is key when it comes to the fight game. So um, essentially, he gets a puncher's chance and we'll see if he can connect that punch. Yeah, I feel like that's always the case with John Jones fights. Like you, you expect John Jones to win, obviously, but the other guy, you always still give them a, a puncher's chance because to get to this fight, they had to look dominant at some point. Uh, Steve, what can you say about John Jones's dominance, and do you think he's just going to do the same thing again in this fight? Yeah, John Jones. I think out of all the fighters in the UFC, he has the best fight IQ. Um, he can lose the first round; it rarely happens, and he'll come back the second and beat you at your own game. So, um, the Dominic Reyes fight, it's a, it's a good matchup. Um, like Nadif said, Dominic Reyes is a really good striker, hits hard. He knocked out Chris Wyman with what seemed like a jab. So, it could be interesting, but, um, yeah, oof. John Jones is John Jones. So, we'll see how this, we'll see how this turns out. Yeah, normally that's all the analysis you need. Like, if you're fighting John Jones, you are not expected to win that fight. But uh, yeah. do you think that uh, his fight, last fight against Thiago Santos, do you think it was a little troubling that Jones just refused to use the path that would have been the easiest victory taking Santos down and instead he decided to kickbox with Santos? That was shocking, especially because that would have been the game plan when Thiago had both legs and Thiago fought that fight on one leg and Jones just, he stood in the pocket with him. Um I'm surprised that people aren't talking about that fight the way they were talking about the first Gustafson fight. Because I thought Tiago Santos did awesome in that fight. That's actually a rematch I'd like to see down the line. Um, but yeah, it was that just shows that John Jones can fight you anywhere. He, it's, he's not a one-trick pony. Well, Nadeev, do you think that's the reason why John Jones did that? Is because he always wants to beat his opponent at their best game. You know, like he did the same thing to Chael Sonnen. He wanted to wrestle wrestle him to the ground and beat him that way? Like, do you think he had the same mentality? And do you think he's going to bring this mentality into this fight with Reyes? Oh, most definitely. I, I just feel as if when he become champion and it, it's been nine years for John, I mean, granted, he, he took a few breaks along the way. Um, but to compete against that level for such a long tenure, at some juncture, you're going to get a little bored. So at this point, he's just trying to do what he can to beat people where he thinks he can't beat them. Uh, I mean, John himself... Um, also has a lot of ridicule for struggling with two things, people that are larger in size like himself and people that are southpaws. Um, and I see with uh, the only times he struggled was with Lee. I, I feel as if he lost that first round to Machido before he choked him out. 
Obviously, he had problems with Santos. Uh, so it, it is something that people talk about. So I think he definitely knew that going into the uh, Tiago fight and wanted to prove a point. All right. Well, uh, thinking about him getting bored, if he wins this fight looking forward, do you think that he's going to finally make that move up to heavyweight? Or do you think he'll just stay in the light heavyweight division and just keep rolling through people? Honestly, I think it, it's all contingent on who the champion is. Um, I feel that Stipe is close enough in size and stylistically it's perfect for John to move up. Um, I don't think he hates the idea of fighting DC, so he obviously wants one of those two. Um, if something goes awry and Francis gets a title fight or something as of that sort, I, I have no idea what his plans are, but he's definitely targeting Stipe or DC at the current moment. Man, if, if we got Francis Ngannou versus John Jones, that uh-huh. would be the most ridiculous fight ever. Um, <laughs> I agree. But, uh, Steve, give me a pick. Who do you think is going to win, John Jones or Dominic Reyes in the main event? You know, I, I always love a good upset story, but I, I just don't see it here. I think John Jones is, like I said, his fight IQ is through the roof. He knows where to beat Dominic Reyes. And the thing with a lot of John Jones' opponents is they're defeated before they even get in there. Um, this is definitely Dominic's toughest fight to date. And I, I think John's – I think he'll get a uh, – I think he'll finish him late. <laughs> Yeah, hopefully he finishes him. I, I feel like he, he's frequently been good. Well, I guess not frequently, but the, the last fight against Santos, he only got a, a decision that was very close. So I think he's going to be looking to have a dominant win. Nadif, are you picking John Jones as well, or are you going to go with the underdog? Listen, my gut really wants me to think that John is overlooking Dom. Uh, but after reviewing Dom's UFC resume, he's beaten three people that now fight at middleweight, and I think he lost to Ozdemir. So at that juncture, I just cannot choose him to beat the goat. Yeah, fair enough. Well, actually, he's uh, twelve and zero. His record's twelve and zero. So I think did he fight Ozdemir? Yes. Yeah. Yep. Okay. Yeah. So maybe controversial that- split decision. Uh, oh, okay. I get what you're saying. Gotcha. Gotcha. Um, all right, so both of our guys are going with John Jones. Just really quickly, uh, Steve, what do you think of the Valentina Shevchenko versus Caitlin Chukagian fight, uh, the co-main event? You know, Caitlin Chukagian, she's a very well-rounded fighter, great footwork, great stand-up. She can go to the ground, but it's going to be hard to beat Valentina Shevchenko at this weight. Um, I think Valentina's toughest fight is going to be outside of this weight, probably against Amanda Nunes. Um, so with that being said, I'm going to go with Shevchenko. <laughs> And that was one of her losses, too, was against Amanda Nunes, right? Yeah, they fought twice, and they were both super close fights. Okay, and I forgot she lost both, so that makes sense. Uh, Nadeep, do you have anything to say about this fight? Um, not, I mean, I feel like Caitlin reminds me a lot of a female version of Donald Cerrone. Uh, she's very well-rounded everywhere. You're never surprised when they get a win or they get a loss, as long as she stays away from uh, Sefchenko's shoulder strikes like Connor. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, she still doesn't stand a chance. They have two common opponents, and Sefchenko beat both, and uh, uh, Chikagian lost to both, so I have to go with the champ. Yeah, just using normal MMA math right there, that's the perfect <laughs> <laughs> um, all right, then the last fight we're going to cover is Derek Lewis facing Alir Latifi. Uh, both known fighters. Obviously, Derek Lewis, Lewis is one of the most popular fighters in the UFC because he's hilarious. Alir to Latifi, he's uh, had a few big fights. He's 14-7, and seven, so not the greatest record. Uh, Steve, we'll start with you. What do you think is going to happen with this fight? So, Alir Latifi, even though he's a big guy, he's in this fight, he's going to heavyweight. Um, I think his nickname is a sledgehammer. He definitely... Um, Derek Lewis, 
Yeah, say what you want about the guy. He has not had any gimme fights. Like, a lot of fights that he's had going into the fight, I'm like, I don't see how Derek wins this. And more often than not, he actually wins. Um, due to the size discrepancy, I mean, Alirio Tifi's big, but Derek Lewis is pretty huge. Uh, I think <laughs> De- I think Derek Lewis will – I think he's going to crack him, and he'll, he'll knock Latifi out. Yeah, Derek Lewis is deceivingly a good fighter. Like he, he's got a lot of weight to him. He, he doesn't really have much of a ground game. He doesn't wrestle. He, he all he just throws hands and he throws big shots and somehow yeah. they always connect. Yeah, good luck with that dude on top of you. <laughs> if he winds <laughs> up on top of you, you're toast. Yeah, if that man could just learn to wrestle better, man, he would be such a dominant fighter. But uh Nadif, what do you think? Honestly, I think I'm gonna shock the world and I'm gonna pick Latifi to win. I think that personally he has he's one of those strikers that have or sorry he's one of those wrestlers that have fallen in love with the striking game and has come back to bite him i feel like him knowing that he can't take a hit and knowing that he's facing a big boy he's going to go back and just instinctively go back to those wrestling roots and have a very very boring decision win over Derek lewis <laughs> so he's hoping to be bored here um that- <laughs> But you're right. The, the way Latifi wins this fight is definitely by bringing it to the ground. That's always the way you should approach a Derek Lewis fight. Uh, thank you guys so much for coming on. I appreciate it. It's always good to have some other people come on and give us some UFC commentary. Hopefully the fights turn out as good as uh, we say they're going to be. Hopefully, I mean, if, if Reyes somehow pulls off this upset, it's going to be an incredible thing. But uh, thank you guys. I appreciate it. No problem. Thanks for having me. Thanks for having us. All right, thank you guys for listening to another damn sports podcast once again. This was the first episode of the NFL offseason. Technically, we will be covering all of the offseason news throughout uh, the next few months. But for now, I hope you guys enjoy UFC 247 over the weekend. I hope you enjoy all of the college basketball is going on over the weekend. And even if you take a break from sports, I hope you enjoy your weekend as well. He's Money Mike. I am Drew Torres. And thanks for listening to another damn sports podcast. <laughs>